It's the Political Free Agents, and we're back for our Tuesday episode. It might be a good one. Just might. If you stick around, we might break down just a little bit of something that people keep debating, but it's really not a debate. There's really nothing to debate about it. Uh, But people are debating it, so let's talk about it. All right, so, you know, we're going to pull it from uh, all the sides here so that it's clearly understood exactly where we're coming from here uh, in regards to reparations. Um, but before we go there, uh, we're going to jump through a few few things with the news and just kind of uh, look at some of the stuff that's going on. Because there's a few things that are happening that is, is kind of disparate. It's not much that's um, that's necessarily like a huge, oh my God, this thing happened sort of thing. Uh, so we're just going to kind of go along the path of uh, the highlights of what's in the news right now. So what we're going to do is uh, just kind of, kind of almost rapid pace, go through some of these things. Um, well, I say that, but y'all know how I get. I mess around and get long-winded on one particular topic. Uh, <laughs> so I reserve the right to jump around or stick longer on a particular topic. Let me actually get the, uh, get the stream up real quick so I can watch the chat. Uh, so what I've been doing is actually going through, uh, going through the chat, I mean the uh, videos, and just kind of looking at uh, looking at them as we go, and I recognize some of you cats been talking on some of the, the the YouTube chat, and I haven't been following. So usually whenever I'm going and I'm, you know, on a roll, I'm not watching. So I figured, hey, let me just start pulling the chat up and uh, have it directly available to me uh, right in front of my face. So that way, if you guys say something, I can see it because uh, I don't want to come back. A month later, responding in in a in a comment <laughs> to something, I'd rather be uh, live here and on there, so I can clarify and explain that. Uh, so on Sunday, I mentioned we had a lot of videos that have been chopped up, and we're gonna start posting those. I went and looked, and I've mentioned it before. Our video editor has been killing it, and I, I I was going to say it on Sunday, but I wasn't sure of the exact number. I was like, maybe I, that sounds like a lot. Maybe I'm off by a little bit. No, I was I was right. I was thinking there was a hundred videos that we have to post. And yeah, there's <laughs> a hundred and thirty plus. I was like, God. So I had to upgrade storage and all this sort of stuff because we're using frame.io. They didn't pay for this advertisement, but. It's a great service. I really enjoy it. Uh, you can go in there and comment on particular uh, segments that you want to talk about and all sorts of stuff. So uh, it's, it's pretty nice. I like it. Uh, it's well worth the money. I'll say that. When you're working with a team of um, people working on like any video project, I think it's, I think it's worth it. Um, so those things, it's going to take time for us to get that uh, posted because it's, it's a lot of review download, upload, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, so it's a lot to go through, but 
trust me, it's, it's, it's coming. Uh, it, it's going to be something that is going to be a regular process as we continue to go. Uh, it's going to be a lot faster in terms of getting these things posted. Uh, so we'll post it. I mean, you know, we do this live. Um, so it's there immediately. But within the week or so, we'll start having the clips that are available and then we'll roll those out and just bite-sized clips and things that you can kind of take five, ten minutes to get that particular topic as opposed to watching a whole hour or, in the case of Sunday, hour and 20 or 30 or whatever it was, right? So anyway, I'm really excited about that. Uh, also, we launched the first uh, episode of Catapulting. So um, if you haven't heard, if you're new, welcome to the show. Uh, Catapulting is my business and tech podcast. So you can go to catapulting.tv. Uh, that is <laughs> funny. It is only the audio version, but in the description, there is a link to the YouTube channel so you can actually watch it. Uh, but I'm working with uh, Transistor and kind of talking to them through some things. Hopefully we can get more than just the audio showing up there. Uh, and maybe a video embed, so we'll see. But I like Transistor uh, because it's built by developers. You know, well, I mean, every site's built by developers, but I mean, the company is run by developers. Uh, so, you know, they have a few. They have a few niceties that uh, some of these other platforms don't have, like custom CSS and stuff like that. So, anyway, just a little housekeeping, just to kind of keep you guys up in the know of what's going on. Um, I've been excited to see the numbers. The, the You guys have really been uh, getting the show out there. If you haven't shared it, I only ask uh, three things of you. Hit like, subscribe. Wait, I might have this backwards. Hit like and subscribe <laughs> and the notification bell uh, and, and share. I guess that's four things. And share the show out. Uh, it, it'll help get the message out. Uh, we're living in a time of hyper-partisanship, and it's just, it's insane, this stuff that we see. I, I literally look at it, and I'm like, how do, how do people get to the point of believing this sort of stuff? Um, and then I remember, I used to be one of them. So, I get it, I get it. Um, it's, it's easy to get caught up with... Um, with team politics. It's very easy uh, for that to happen. All right. So let's let's jump into the news. Some of these things we're going to dig into a little bit. Some of them will just rapid fire a little bit. So on this 16th day of March in the year of 2021, <laughs> let's see what's popping. All right. So we, we've covered Cuomo quite a bit. Uh, probably more than mainstream media. Well, maybe not Fox. I don't know why people call mainstream media, uh, CNN and the like, and leave Fox out. Fox is mainstream media, right? <laughs> there's, no, there's no way around it. They're mainstream media. They have the biggest audience, but somehow they're not mainstream media. Okay, all right, got it. But uh, Cuomo has still been under fire for a lot of this, what's been going on. He said he's not going to resign. Biden is one that has been very quiet on Cuomo. Uh, for me, to be honest, I couldn't care less what he thinks about Cuomo. Right? 
Let me see. I told you, told you I mess around and rant on one of these. Let's rewind to 2011 or 12. There was a there was a man who was coming home from teaching. He's a professor at a college, well known college. He's teaching, comes home, starts to walk up to his door, and the cop comes. And if I recall correctly, he was actually arrested um, or at a minimum harassed. Um, this is off the cuff, so I'm, I'm not remembering the full story, but it was something to that effect. President Obama just commented on it. They asked him. He gave his thoughts. He thought that the cops were acting, I believe he said, stupid or ignorant or something like that. And oh, my God. What is he doing? Talking about local politics. That's a local issue. That's not a national issue. That's not federal, right? That was the, that was the thing. This was something for the states to handle. Fast forward. And now I'm hearing, you know, a bunch of backlash, quote unquote, because Biden isn't talking about Cuomo. I, I couldn't care less, right? Like it's, Biden has no bearing on Cuomo. Okay, maybe he comes out and says he should resign. It adds pressure to the situation. Okay, whatever. But it's not up to him. There's nothing he can do, right? We, we've turned, and it's my point, we, we've turned into a country that thrives on these narratives, right? If you do talk, it's a problem. If you don't talk, it's a problem. We need your opinion on this, right? Some cases, you know, that may be valid. But in some cases, who cares? Who cares what Joe Biden thinks about Cuomo? Like, really, who, who really cares, right? Other than some partisanship thing, right? Because if this was a Republican under Trump, and Trump was quiet, the people on the right who are complaining about Biden wouldn't have a thing to say about Trump being quiet. In fact, it happened multiple times. Mass shooting, as long as it wasn't a Muslim, he would come out and speak quickly about Muslim violence. Oh, quickly, quickly. If it was somebody that was illegally here, oh yeah, quickly. We're going to talk about this existential threat, blah, blah, blah. But if it was a white man, I was told I was wrong about that, by the way. 2017, I stated, stated publicly multiple times because it was just a pattern, the way he handled things, right? If it was somebody on his team, he would not immediately address it. That's just what it was. If it was somebody on the opposite team, he would immediately address it. Something about BLM, Antifa, whatever, immediately address it. Immediate comment, tweet, boom, fired off. And the left held his, held his feet to the fire, right? Biden doesn't say anything about Cuomo. Boom, the right holding his feet to the fire immediately, right? I mean, these patterns are right here. They're right here in your face, right? They're right there. All you got to do is look. So President Biden told reporters 
Sunday, he'll wait for the outcome of an investigation into sexual harassment allegations leveled against New York Governor Andrew Cuomo before commenting on whether the governor should, should resign. The only Democratic figure who could likely pursue or persuade Cuomo to resign is Biden, perhaps, uh, per Axios's uh, Jonathan Swan. Their friendship and political alliance dates back years. Okay. So fair enough if you're wanting to know his opinion because you know the, their relationship. Fair enough. Cuomo has resisted to resign from law, uh, resisted calls to resign from lawmakers, including Democratic leaders in New York, like Majority Leader Schumer, Kristen Gillibrand, or Kirsten Gillibrand, excuse me. The governor denies all sexual misconduct claims leveled against him. All right, so they're doing an investigation. Um, per a poll report, Biden said, I think the investigation is underway and we should see what it brings us. I mean, it's pretty much been my take. We should see what happens, right? I'm of the mind that women don't just come out very easily and say I was harassed because it, it, there's blowback to them. It absolutely happens, though. I have a friend who shared a story with me um, of that happening to him at work. I won't give any details or who he works for, but it's a big company. And it happened. Uh, and it was completely false. He was vindicated, right? So we could see that happen with Cuomo. It does happen. It is the rare occasion that it happens, but it happens. So what if he resigned right now and the investigation was done and found out everything that came out was a lie or, or it wasn't outright a lie. It was stretched in a certain way, right? It wasn't what happened before. Um, it was maybe some of the, some of the charges are, or accusations were accurate, but not all of them. Um, you know, let's say like the quote unquote lighter, like him cussing out staffers and stuff, whatever. Um, maybe that's the case. But what I do know is that there is a one, at least one police report. So at least one part of it seems to be very true because if you're going to go and follow a police report, on somebody in that high position, yeah, there's there's some likelihood that there's some truth there. So we'll see. I don't care what Biden thinks about it. I'm going to have my opinion on it. Everybody's going to have their opinion on it. I don't care what Biden thinks. Uh, we'll find out the truth, from, hopefully, from the investigation. Seems like uh, the attorney general uh, is actually doing what they should do, investigating. Let's figure it out as we go, and let's see what's going on. The EU regulator, currently no indication AstraZeneca vaccine causes blood clots. So I'm only sharing this because there was a story, and I actually shared the story, um, about AstraZeneca being pulled uh, because it was causing blood, clot, blood clots. So I shared it, figured, let's talk about it briefly and uh, clear the air on what's going on. So the head of the European Medicines Agency said at a briefing Tuesday that while a full review is ongoing, there is currently no indication that the AstraZeneca coronavirus vaccine is responsible for the small number of blood clots reported in patients in Europe. EMA uh, Executive Director Emma Koch says she is firmly convinced that the benefits of AstraZeneca of the AstraZeneca shot far outweigh the risk. 
Cook said that EMA experts will meet on Thursday to come to a final conclusion after conducting a full analysis of the data. So AstraZeneca so far says that about um, out of the 17 million people who have received the vaccine in the EU and UK, the number experiencing blood clot symptoms is actually lower than would be expected in the general population. Again, we'll find out. Don't know right now, but we'll find out. Oh, pooty poot! Oh, pooty poot! <laughs> U.S. intelligence, Putin, uh, U.S. intelligence, colon, Putin authorized influence operations to hurt Biden's candidacy. Now, the, the retort, if Trump had won and Trump was in office right now, well, this would be a big deal, right? That Putin owns Trump, wants Trump, blah, 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 blah. I've talked about it since Trump won. It's hotly debated. Honestly, it really shouldn't be. Uh, but we have evidence in the Trump during the Trump presidency from <laughs> U.S. intelligence uh, under Trump that Russia was interfering with our election, misinformation, and all those sort of things. It really shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be a debate. It's another thing that shouldn't be a debate. Just like reparations, shouldn't be a debate, right? We, America, we spread disinformation. <laughs> what do you think the news is doing? There's a great uh, interview from, um, oh, shoot, I'll look up his name. Uh, but he's on the show, um, The uh, Rising, uh, with Crystal Ball. And uh, I can't believe Sagar, but I can't remember Sagar's last name. Injeti, there you go. I couldn't remember his last name. I knew Sagar, but I couldn't remember Injeti. So Sagar and Jetty, uh, actually Sagar and Crystal, I believe, were on an interview, and they were asking about like his history because Sagar used to be in the press pool and working and doing these sort of things. Uh, and he said he had to get out of it because he kind of it's, it's kind of like church. Once you kind of get to the back room of church, you kind of see, let's just say you see some different things that are going on and the cloth is pulled back and you kind of see behind the scenes, you know, kind of like with baloney. If you saw everything that was being made, you wouldn't be spreading mustard and slapping it on a piece of bread, right? You've, you've seen the way it's made. It's a little, a little bit of a turnoff, right? And... So Sagar was saying that basically the um, White House would provide talking points to the news station. And if you stayed within that framework, you could ride that ticket and you could take off and you, you do every, anything that you want after that. Right. Like it's a rite of passage that you have to stay within these talking points. After you're in those talking points and you're finished, you can you can go on career-wise, and you'll be fine. But they provide the talking points to all the stations. It wasn't like CNN gets the talking points and Fox doesn't. Fox is independent. No. You, you've never, if you ever watch from day to evening, 
I've done this numerous times. I used to do it all the time because I work from home. So I just have the TV on and it just be playing the news or my iPad or whatever. If I'm not trying to watch something, you know, for entertainment, I just let the news run, right? And every single show will be the same exact topics, same exact talking points. You jump over to CNN from Fox, same exact topics, same exact talking points. Every now and then there's like a little twist, something new or something different added to it, right? Same talking points, right? So that idea of providing the information, it's just our own government providing us these angles and these things that they want to talk about, right? I don't care what it is. Think about it. North Korea, Russia, Saudi Arabia, all the information that you're hearing is likely being pushed from our government. Things they want in the public conversation. For whatever end, these are the things that they want. <laughs> what makes you think that other countries aren't doing that here? Russia, China, Germany, doesn't matter. We do it in other countries. Shoot, we even do worse. We go to install democracy. But for some reason, you know, there could be 500 people being slaughtered in a country in Africa that doesn't really, you know, produce anything for us. You know, oh, it's a tragedy. We're going we're gonna to put sanctions but let it be an oil-rich country? Oh. Oh, we got troops. Troops is out there now. And they feed that to us, and they tell us. Just like when Trump dropped, dropped bombs. I mentioned them too many times in this episode already. Trump dropped bombs in these different countries, and what were they saying? Oh, chemicals dropped on his own people. Chemicals. I questioned it at the time. <laughs> a friend from back home blocked me <laughs> because I questioned him. Because I questioned literally, what's he think he is? Who he think? Who does he think he is? Questioning our leader. Came out a few months later. General Mattis said we had no evidence that there were chemicals used. But they fed that story. It wasn't verified. It wasn't validated. I saw nothing, and that's what made me question, like, wait a minute, if they, if they drop chemicals, we should see some proof of that, right? There was no proof of that on the ground. That was just the Trump administration pushing a narrative so we could get it through. Same thing when Obama was dropping drone strikes here in America. Same thing. They pushed these narratives through the news. So what makes you think it's not happening from other countries here? Come on. Beyond that, I've talked about it before, uh, Sri Kulkarni. I really wish he would have won because he is like, he is one that I would say is a political free agent that was trying to get into Congress, right? Sri was, Sri was our first interview, I believe. Sat right here at my desk. And it was just cool as heck. I couldn't believe he said yes. It's like, sweet. And we talked about it. There was an event here in Houston. 
where big, big event. Everybody shows up, two sides, warring, right? You got this side that is believing this, and this side is believing this, and one is here to disrupt the other. And they get there, and they're like, uh, we're the organizers. So they started digging in. They started going back, trying to figure out what happened. Like, what are we missing here? And turns out, it was all handled online from folks in Russia. People think that there's like Russian hackers who are like changing votes, right? Like that sort of thing. Like they're getting into the systems and they're changing votes. No, that's, that's not my take. I'm pretty sure there's somebody that tries to say that, right? But that's not my take. Share a meme. Get a word out there. If you, if you follow anything on Twitter enough, you find these fake accounts. Share something. Get something out there. Get a conversation going. You found out that on Parlor, they were doing it a lot. They were jumping on Parlor and they were doing that a lot. Just share something, right? Because the best way to destroy America is from within, through division. Get us fighting with one another. I don't trust you. I don't trust you. I don't trust you because you are Republican. I'm a Democrat. I don't trust you. I hate you. You're black. I'm white. I don't, I don't like you. You're Mexican. I'm American. I don't like you. I don't care if you were born here anyway. I don't, I don't like you. Anchor baby. It's misinformation. This is, this is the thing that they do. <coughs> Excuse me. So this comes out. This article. So far, all the articles I've read, uh, Axios, for those that are listening on the podcast. Hold on one sec. Ranting too much. Got in my throat. The office of the DNI on Tuesday released a declassified report on foreign actors' attempts to influence and interfere in the 2020 election. The U.S. intelligence community found that Russia and Iran, see, what did I say? I, didn't, I hadn't even read that part about Iran, uh, conducted influence operations uh, aimed at affecting the outcome of the election, but that China did not. Yeah, maybe they just didn't find any evidence. <laughs> or maybe they wanted Biden. I don't know. We, had, we, we did have China come out and say they wanted Trump because he was too easy to read. Right, it was easy to negotiate with him because they knew what he was thinking because he was tweeting it. That was, I think, the secretary of, or the minister of finance or whatever the position is that they call it there. That's what he came out and said. Like, they would like another Trump administration because that's it was too easy for him. Right, in that sense, is what it is. That's what he said, not me. The report found no indications that foreign actors attempt, attempted to alter any technical aspect of the voting process, as I was just saying. U.S. intelligence agencies assessed that Russian President Vladimir Putin authorized influence operations aimed at denigrating President Biden's candidacy, supporting former uh, President Trump, undermining public confidence in the election, and sowing divisions. God, did see, look, I hadn't read the article. I didn't read this article. I saw the title, and I was like, ah, you know what, if I have time, I'm going to jump on that, right? And we had time before the 30-minute mark, before I need to break off and go into another area here, right? So I hadn't read the article, but this is exactly what I was just ranting about. That's what I'm saying. 
It's about sowing division. But yet we just keep letting them do it. <sighs> one day, one day, one day. Unlike in 2016, U.S. intelligence did not observe persistent Russian efforts to gain access to the election infrastructure. Right. So anyway, the article's there. You can go uh, read through the rest of it. They break down China, Iran. Uh, they say Iran had a multi-pronged covert in influence campaign. And that one was aimed, they say, aimed at damaging Trump's election prospects and undermining confidence in the election. Right. So, man, they say, uh-oh, other actors. Lebanese Hezbollah, Cuba, Venezuela, and some uh, profit-motivated cyber criminals. It's, it's all right there. All right, so I'm going to real quick fire these off because I want to spend the rest of this time on the uh, main topic here. Virginia Governor Ralph Northam restores voting rights for ex-felons. There should be not one person that disagrees with this. Not one, right? See, see we want to say 1A, 2A, like you have people who will march and do these sort of things, right? But then if somebody goes to jail, they get out of jail, prison, whichever, federal, local, doesn't matter, state, doesn't matter. Somehow or another, it's okay to infringe on their rights and say, oh, well, you can't vote. No, I'm fine with that. You shouldn't have made a mistake. Or you can't, you can't have a gun anymore. Oh, I'm fine with that. You shouldn't have made a mistake. Doesn't matter if it's a gun-related charge. Or a violent charge. If you have a felony, you can't get a gun. Right. I mean, these things, these things are right here. So all of you complaining about 2A and 1A and all these other A's and voting rights and all of that, it should be a no-brainer that states should allow felons, former felons, who have served their due to vote again. Shoot, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't care if they voted while they were in prison. They're still a part of this country. Either way. I wanted to play the clip on this, but we're out of time on going through this. Maybe we'll touch on this next week. We'll see, or this weekend. Mc, uh, McConnell warns of GOP retribution if Democrats eliminate filibuster. He ain't lying. He ain't lying. He said the loud part, the quiet part out loud when he said that he's the reason that Obama didn't have it, all of his judge seats filled. He said he blocked it. Now, the right was trying to say that Obama failed to do it. If he wouldn't have failed, then Trump wouldn't have filled so many seats. No, no, no. McConnell, he's a mastermind at this. I don't, you don't have to like him. He is a mastermind at this. And he absolutely will do that. Judge Gorsuch. Oh, excuse me, uh, Merrick Garland, they blocked him ridiculously, but they did it. <laughs> he will, he will pay the Democrats back if they do this. One quick warning, the NASDAQ is bouncing back. Don't be fooled. Don't get comfortable. Get your STEMI check coming in. Do not get comfortable. Don't get comfortable. It's, it's. Too much of a risk to get comfortable and just sit back like, yeah, everything's good. Markets are up. Cool. Mm -mm. 
when the markets are up, that's when you should be stacking, 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 stacking. When the markets are down, that's when you buy. You should buy. Just keep that in mind. All right. Let's get into this. Reparations. Shouldn't be a debate. Now, here's why it shouldn't be a debate. I'll give you four reasons. There's no dispute that black people were horrifically mistreated in this country throughout slavery. There is no dispute. I guess I'll go over four, but <laughs> there is no dispute that black people were completely mistreated through Reconstruction, which was a period, roughly a 10-year period after slavery. There's no dispute that for the 100 years following slavery, black, ple black, black people were horribly mistreated. That's not... That's not in dispute, right? Everybody can agree on that part. Even if you disagree with reparations, you can agree on that part, right? So that's not in dispute. Now, nobody can disagree that during the war, the Japanese were completely mistreated, put in internment camps. You can't, can't deny that. Italians were mistreated. You can't deny that. Who got reparations? Japanese? Italians? Not the black people. Even though, now, I was born in the 70s. My great-grandpa was born, I believe, 1918 or something like that. Excuse me, my grandpa. My great-grandpa was born in the period of Reconstruction, roughly around there, right? So I'm not very far removed from slavery. I'm not removed at all, but one generation from Jim Crow. That was the area, the period. I, I live in the South. I grew up in the South. That was the area and period that my father grew up, my uncles, my aunties. I have uncles and aunties right now who were born in like the 40s. Maybe, shoot, maybe even the 30s for one of them. Matter of fact, I think for sure the 30s for one of them. I'm pretty sure because I think he's a little bit over 90. One of the favorite characters in the family. They grew up in this whole time period. And I had an interesting conversation. Um, not, not last year, but the year before. We were dealing with our high school who was still using Dixie as their fight song. And I actually have a book um, here about Dixie. And before I forget, I forgot to call out the book for today. But we'll get to that. Um, so I had an interesting conversation during that time period. Because my uncle was of the mindset of whatever, the, that song, just lead a song alone. It, it doesn't even matter. It wasn't that bad growing up. And I found that interesting because it challenged my, my view 
of what it was like for them to grow up in the in the 50s. And I asked them, I said, well, I, I talked to people your age, people you went to school with, and they were telling me about certain things that were going on. But you said it, it wasn't that bad. But you guys weren't able to sit on the same side of the football in the football stadium as the white folk, right? Well, well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a thing, yeah. I grew up in a segregated school system, well, yeah. You couldn't walk into the front door of restaurants? Because I'm trying to understand, like, was my hometown different, right? Like, these are honest conversations. I'm just having this conversation with him and my father over a lunch. And I'm, so I'm trying to really gauge, like, was it really not, like, is it just, have I been brainwashed to think that it was bad? <laughs> and he was like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know. So we, we kind of went through these things of how they were mistreated back then. And these were the rules of the time. They couldn't have white friends, things like this. It was problems, right? There were exceptions, obviously. There always are exceptions. But these sort of things were just, it's a different time, right? They grew up under a period of violence. Now, why, why couldn't they do those things, right? There's a story from back home, won't dig into it, of an uh, attempted lynching uh, at the cemetery. Rope, all of it, right? Like, it was a period of violence just because you were black. Just because. So, if you followed, if you went along and you just kept your mouth shut, you just, yes, sir, no, sir, go in the back of the restaurant, don't cross the tracks, stay on your side, basically, stay in your place, N-word. Everything was cool if you did that. But if you didn't, if you stepped out of line, you could die. That's why I say this whole cancel culture stuff today, that's nothing. That's nothing. My parents grew up in a legit cancel culture where you just date somebody from the opposite race and your family cuts you off. Cut you off. You out. Or worse. Get pregnant. They force you to have abortions. Oh, yeah, I, I, you can't taint our bloodline. Sleep with the white woman. Oh, you dead. Look at a white woman. Oh, we'll burn down the entire town of Tulsa. Burn it down. Or, well, we'll burn down the black part. We'll even bring in the U.S. government and we'll bomb it. <laughs> it's cancel culture today, making your life a little more difficult because you can't tweet. It's no cancel culture. Look, man, I'm 100% I'm about let's move forward, right? Let's move forward. I honestly don't care if I ever see a reparation. I don't care if my kids see a reparation because I was born in the late 70s. I was not born into that level of violence. I didn't know what color was for years. 
I didn't know my mama was white for years. Years. Because I can remember the day that I realized my mom was white. I can remember it. I just have the sinking suspicion that young black kids earlier than that were taught a different set of rules, right? So this debate about reparations, from just from that level, it's not debatable. It's not debatable. The, the, the people of that time grew up under extreme violence. They just did. There's no debate on that. But for all of those years, no reparations. Now, we were promised reparations, 40 acres and a mule. We've all heard it. Some people got those 40 acres. Maybe some of them got that mule. But then you had all these reasons, all these ways that it was all confiscated back from them. Then you go through time and you had things like black codes, late 1800s, where too many people hanging around, or excuse, excuse me, clarify, too many black people hanging around, oh, you get arrested. Look it up, black codes. And then you know what the punishment was for that? You had to go work for somebody. Indentured servitude. Slavery. Slavery was abolished, but they found a way to say, oh, if there's too many black people, vagrancy. These words sound familiar to you, right? There's a history of this. There's a history. There's a lineage to this. Too many black people standing around. You get arrested. And then there was a minimum period, three or six months or something like that, that you had to work for free for somebody else. 13th Amendment, abolish slavery, except unless you committed a crime. So how do they fix that? Oh, they changed the rules. The black codes, right? What about this one? This one sound familiar? War on drugs. Yeah, let's have a war on drugs. Why? Oh, because uh, we need to attack this uh, marijuana problem. There's a big marijuana problem that we need, you know. It's starting to creep. We need to stop this. It's existential threat. Marijuana, class one drug. Means you can't research it. Can't research it at all. You can't use it for medical research. Right? It's class one. Class two, cocaine, crack, all these other things. Cocaine and crack, which can kill you on a hit. Weed, which gets you hungry. Because that was a predominant drug of choice in the black community. Opium started getting big, I think, 40s or 50s. What did they do? Oh, they outlawed it. See, opium used to be used as a, like a medical, for medical reasons, medical, drug, medical uh, purposes, and doctors would use it. And no big deal. You're using opium. Just like back in the day, they used to use cocaine and Coca-Cola. Right? Like it was no big deal. Right? We live, we learn, we grow Right? as a society. But opium was used, it was no problem. We started seeing, it maybe, maybe it was before the 40s and 50s, maybe it was the 20s or so, but whenever we started seeing a larger population of uh, Chinese people coming to America, they would smoke opium. 
It was no big deal. That's what they did. So what did they do? They outlawed it. What happened? Send them to jail. See, these things, these things don't happen in a vacuum. There's a history to these things, right? So there was all this confiscation. So we couldn't own land, right? Jobs were limited. Then once we get to a certain point of like building up something, they destroy it. Then once we start moving into an area, they start doing this thing where they, they, they outline these areas, wanted to show where the bad areas were, called redlining. They started pushing people, moving people, look up the Great Migration, right? All of these things started happening. So a lot of what we see today are socioeconomic issues based on the history of outright racism. There's no way around it. It's the first time I've said the R word. But there's no way around it. These things were happening because of racism. They simply were. That's just what America was. That's just what it was. Some of those things still haven't changed. We still have remnants of those things. They're still here. So that particular idea of there's some debate about this. No. Black people have fought in every single war, helped build this country. The South alone, just the South, the what, seven states or whatever it was, uh, just the South was the fifth largest economy in the world. The fifth. That wasn't just from cotton. You had slaves who were working on boats and all sorts of stuff. It wasn't just black folk picking cotton. That wasn't the only job that black folks were doing back in the day. Right? And then you, you get these straw man arguments of, well, white people pick cotton too. Yeah, there were indentured servitudes, servitudes, servants back then. Excuse me. Yes. You get these arguments. Oh, the first slave was, uh, slave owner was a black man. It was an indentured servant. Yes, I'm well aware of that. Back in Virginia, well aware of it. None of that, none of it negates anything that happened up until 1865. From 1865 to 19, or 1875, or from 1865 to 1965. None of it. It's not this... It's not this attack on you as a white person of your her heritage. It's not an attack on you saying, oh, you're white, you're wrong, you're cruel. No, it's not an attack on you. I'm half white. I have no guilt. I have absolutely zero feelings for anybody beyond a certain point on my mom's side of the family. I see the pictures, I look at them, and I'm like, they would have hated me. It's just a plain fact. It's, it's irrefutable. I'm not even going to go into why I absolutely know that. But I know the lineage. I know it. 
So I'm not going to play this game of, oh, it's white guilt. No, it's not white guilt. Let's just call a spade a spade. The people of that time, I don't care what color, creed, where they came from, it doesn't matter to me. The people of that time abused a certain sector of people. The other times we did that, with the Native Americans, mind you, their land, not mad at it at all. Japan, uh, the Japanese, Italians, reparations of some sort. Black folks, push them off. Y'all figure it out. As King said, it's, it's, it's especially cruel to tell a bootless man to pull himself up by the bootstraps. It makes no sense. There's no debate about that. Now, the way, the way that people bring this up, and I'm going to bring up the great running back himself, Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker tells Congress, this is on the New York Post, the title, Herschel Walker tells Congress, black Americans shouldn't get reparations. And it's just some of the dumbest stuff I've heard. Now, I'm going to scroll down and just kind of read his, his parts here. He says, we use white power to create, or black power to create white guilt. My approach is biblical. How can you ask my heavenly father to forgive me if I can't forgive my brother? The ignorance of saying such a thing like that. This isn't about forgiveness. <laughs> this isn't about forgiveness. In that same Bible, it talks about righting your wrongs. You should do for the least of them, right? Right? So if you force a certain set of people to be the least of them, you take them from their land, bring them over here, you abuse them for centuries. Then once you set them free, you make their life inextricably difficult to survive physically. Somehow or another, that aspect of biblical love, no, 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 no. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. We don't want to follow the Bible in that way. We want to follow it like around this other way. And see, this is one of my problems with having conversations with, with some Christians about certain topics because they do this sort of thing where they take specific, very specific uh, scriptures and they use them to their own benefit without taking the totality of the picture, right? That's why I love my pastor because he'll actually look at the entire chapter, the time, what was going on, the geographics, blah, blah, blah. It's not just, oh, let me find this scripture that, you know, reinforces my beliefs. No, see, that's, see, that's what the slave owners were doing. They found slaves obey your master in the Bible. They found that, and they rammed that down the slave's throat. I know, but we can't let you learn how to read, because if you learn how to read... You're going to read this other stuff. We don't want you to read that. We want you to listen to us. Slaves obey your master. We're going to talk about all the heavenly goodness of God and all this. Slaves obey your master. That's, that's this kind of stuff. Ain't nobody saying that we don't forgive. I don't know. Look, 
<laughs> the argument usually is nobody alive did those things right now, which is a lie. Because Jim Crow, people who grew up in Jim Crow were under fear of their life from other people who grew up in Jim Crow. Right? So, the idea, <laughs> the idea that this is about forgiveness, a lack of forgiveness, is just ignorant. The lack of forgiveness comes from a system that allows it and continues to perpetuate it. That's what the forgiveness, that's where the forgiveness is missing. He goes on to say, America is the greatest country in the world for me, a melting pot of a lot of great races, a lot of great minds that have come together with different ideas to make America's, Americans the greatest, I think you mean America, the greatest country on earth. Many have died trying to get into America. No one is dying trying to get out. Reparations, where does the money come from? Somebody tell me where that stimulus check just came from. Anybody? I'm waiting. Somebody tell me where that money came from. See, this was a problem prior to the pandemic. They could use that argument. That money is going to come from the taxes of people, blah, blah, blah. Where did that money come from that we just made? Just shout out $1.9 trillion twice. And whatever they did in December. So what, $5 trillion total? I just, that could, that could be done, right? We can do that. Can't do this. Does it come from all the other races except the black taxpayers? Who is black? <laughs> what percentage of black must you be to receive reparations? I don't know. Why don't we go back into history and, hmm, what was it called? The one drop rule. Why don't we do that? One drop. That's all they said. One drop. If you had one drop of black in you, then you deserve to be treated differently. It didn't matter how, how light you were. You could be the exact same color as another white person. But if you had one drop, you deserve to be treated differently. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe we use that, Herschel. What do you think? Is that good enough for you? One drop? Do you go to 23andMe or a DNA test to determine the percentage of blackness? Some American ancestors just came to this country 80 years ago. Their ancestors weren't even here during slavery. Some black immigrants, immigrants weren't here during slavery, nor their ancestors. Some states didn't even have slavery. Great. You know, there's actually, if you look back, I believe it was the Wells Fargo ledger that showed them providing insurance on slaves. There were names in the book, right? So you, know, you want to know why I don't know beyond my great-grandfather? Well, because they were slaves. We don't have pictures. On the other side, I got plenty of pictures. Decades and decades back, well over almost multiple centuries. I don't have that on my dad's side. It's not very difficult to find out. If you really and truly wanted to find out who was a descendant of a slave, you could come pretty close. You could come pretty close.
sure, somebody might get swept up. Somebody just might. May just. But one thing that is for sure is that you don't want to try. You don't want these answers. See, all of these questions can be answered, but you don't want the answer. You just want the talking points. Uh, let's jump down. He said, I asked my mom, who was in her mid-80s, her thoughts on reparations. Her words, I do not believe in reparation. Who is the money going to go to? Has anyone thought about paying the families who lost someone in the Civil War, who fought for their freedom? See, these, these, these arguments right, are easily, easily pushed away. And here's why. Because as I stated earlier, I don't care if I ever get a reparation check. But here's a simple way. Very simple. Solve this entire thing. Take this money. Build up those areas that you tore down. And don't build them up and gentrify it in the sense of raising rates and all this sort of thing. Mm -mm. It's very well known, even to the point of cliche, that black neighborhoods are some of the roughest and it's not a racial issue. It's socioeconomic. Because you go to any low socioeconomic area and you're likely to get robbed. If you go in there with too much on, somebody sees an opportunity to improve their life, what do you think they're going to do? It's a socioeconomic problem. So don't pass out a check. I don't care about a check. Do for the least of them. Simple as that. If you want to limit it to those who were impacted by Jim Crow, and you say, hey, these other states weren't slave-holding states, okay. But you could go to places like Oregon. Oh, that's not the South. That's way on the other side, right? You go to Oregon and you could look at their, their history of what they did in the housing area alone. Where it's just, oh, we don't have slaves, but you can't own nothing, Negro. So what's the line? I throw it back. What, what's the line? What's the line? Is it that you had to be a slave and alive today in order to get reparations? Or are we going to look at what was going on in the country and how these things pushed black people into these low socioeconomic situations? Are we going to do that? I don't think you I don't think we are because you're not worried about the realness of the situation. You just want a talking point. See, right now, we're at the place. Now, mind you, this, is, this was a very real debate that Dr. King, who y'all love to quote, come January 20th, you want to quote Dr. King, oh, I have a dream. But you don't want to go and dig into when King was talking about universal basic income. You don't want to dig into that, King. No, 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 no. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that. You don't want to dig into that. Any of the ideas of King with the education centers where he wanted to build education centers in these areas to integrate by bringing the education center or the education center being the center where different people came. The schools can be separate. 
White people go to this school. Black people go to this school. But the education center is where there was a group effort of just educating people. You don't want to talk about that. You don't want to talk about that. All the other socialist things, you don't want to talk about that. See, the Republicans and those on the right in general, they would hate Dr. King if he was alive today. Hate you want to know how I know? Because a lot of the things that he was saying are things that Bernie Sanders says. You want to know why Bernie Sanders says them? Says them? Because he was marching with Dr. King. I'm not saying Bernie Sanders is Dr. King. I'm just saying that Bernie Sanders absolutely believed in a lot of socialist agenda. Absolutely. Capitalism was too focused on the individual. And it ignored the capital, uh, the collective. That's what that his exact words. Capitalism ignores the collective. Communism focuses too much on the collective and ignores the individual. What's between them? Socialism. So they would have hated King. Railed against them. He would have been the AOC. They would have got the AOC treatment. 100%. He would have got the Bernie Sanders treatment. 100% from those that hate him. They would have hated him. But I have a dream. That's all they know. The main point to understand here. From that time, King was talking about reparations. And he was talking about reparations in terms of fixing the wrong, not passing out a thousand dollar check to every black person that's in America. It's ignorant to say, well, we want to pass it into immigrants who came here in the 70s. It's ignorant. We know when they came here. Excluded. Right. If we're talking about a check. We're talking about fixing the socioeconomic issues in America because what happens is when you bring the bottom up, the top goes with it. That's why trickle-down economics never works. You try to give rich people money and then hope it trickles down. It doesn't work. It stops. It always does. But if you can build up these communities from the bottom and you can help get them out of those circumstances. We have proven, as black people who have fought through all of this crap, and we've done it over and over and over and over again. Everything that this country has thrown at us, we have addressed it head on, and we're going to continue to do that, and we're going to continue to fight. Because that's a human trait. It's not just black people. If the tide was turned and you decided we decided oh now white people are the minority we're going to segregate and abuse them for a century they will be crying and they will be saying oh the black people blah, 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 blah. it would be different it's not it's not a race thing it's doing the right thing that's what it boils down to read more books read more history <laughs> more solutions than cutting a check to everybody that's black and cutting no melanin checks kind of ignorant stuff is that <laughs> rants over 
We're PFA. Catch us at politicalfreeagents.com. You can find us Sunday, 2 p.m. and Tuesday at 7 p.m. Also, check out catapulting.tv, the new podcast that I'm doing on business and tech. I won't rant nearly as much, but I'll be here. We have some pretty interesting things that are coming up. Um, I've tried not to talk about them because I don't like to talk about it till it's like locked in. Uh, but there's some interesting things coming up. So like, share, and hit that notification bell. Let everybody you know know about this. Hit us up on uh, social media at uh, PFA Podcast, and we'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>